What's up, everybody? This is Jake. Uh, welcome back to Dad About History. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking again about Hercules, talk about uh, labors two and three of the, the, the 12 labors that he had to complete. Um, uh, these labors are, tonight, what we're talking about are the Lernaean Hydra and then the Kernian Hind or the Kernian Deer. And we'll get into those in a minute. But before we do, let's look back. Let's look back at what we know already. Hercules was the son of Zeus, uh, king of the gods, god of the sky, and Alchemine, a mortal woman. Uh, he had a half-brother named Iphicles, who they were born, they were conceived at the same time. Alchemine had Hercules with Zeus, and, um, and then she also had Iphicles with Erythrymitrin, uh, who is a mortal. So Iphicles and Hercules are half-brothers. Hercules grew up, you can definitely tell he was Zeus's son, did all these famous things, settled down with a family, and had some kids. Uh, Hera, remember, she is Zeus's goddess wife, was jealous of Zeus's proclivities, and so um, drove Hercules mad, and then he killed his family, or killed his children. And when his madness had ended, he went to go to penance, um, went to the Oracle at Delphi and, and asked, you know, where should I go into exile? What should I do? The Oracle said, go to Eurythrius, or Eurythius and serve him for 10 years and complete 10 labors. Eurythius is Hercules' cousin, like second cousin. Um, they're both descendants of Perseus. So Eurythius does not like Hercules at all. And so what he's doing is he's going to give him tasks that he thinks are impossible. The first one that we discussed was the Nemean lion. Remember the Nemean lion? You couldn't pierce its hide. You couldn't, you couldn't kill it. You couldn't cut through its skin. So Hercules was given the impossible task of killing the Nemean lion. He did. Remember, he choked it out uh, like he's uh, an MMA fighter. Choked it out, killed it that way. Um, brought the... the the Nemean lions hide back to Eurystheus. Eurystheus, sorry about that. He brought the Nemean hides back through to Eurystheus, and he put it at the gates. And Eurystheus was so scared he wouldn't even meet with Hercules anymore because he's like, oh well, he killed the Nemean lion. So all future tasks. What happened was Hercules had to meet outside the gates and then a herald would come and say, all right, well, here's your next job. Here's your next job. So, so that's what we're up to today is Hercules killed the Nemean lion, took it back to Eurystheus and was now given his next task. And that next task is to go kill, another kill, um, hunt down and kill the Lernaean Hydra. So, well, what is the Lernaean Hydra? And I would think probably this story, when you think of Hercules and his labors, this is probably the most famous one. Um, the Hydra itself is a creature, right? 
is, is an incredibly famous creature. We did a whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. And what did the heroes keep fighting? They kept fighting the group, the Hydra, right? And where you remove one head to take its place. Well, this is where that comes from. This story comes from, or, or that creature, that mythological creature, comes from the story of Hercules. And so I, I would think that this is probably the most famous task that Hercules had to had to complete. And he, like I said, he completed 12. They're all pretty remarkable. But this one, I think in our modern culture, we at least know something about. And so some of this might not be too new to you. Um, but there's a lot of detail here that, that we often forget about. And it's really exciting to kind of read about this story. So what is the Hydra? Well, let's start. First, the Hydra was located in the Lerna Swamp on the Peloponnesian Peninsula. So that's where it gets the name, the Lernaean Hydra. It's in the swamp in the Peloponnesian Peninsula, which is kind of like mainland Greece. The Peloponnesian, the peninsula there, um, the Peloponnese is what they called it. Uh, Sparta was located there. Athens um, was on the other side of the Isthmus of Corinth, but it was still on the Peloponnese. Uh, Thebes was north of that, but I think that still counts as part of the peninsula. So that kind of gives you an idea of where this this monster was located. Um, and I want to give you a, a, a description of the Hydra itself. According, Remember, and we're using Apollodorus as our primary source here. There's others, um, Hyginius, um, Euripides. They, they all kind of talk about Hercules and his stuff. But Apollodorus, the mythographer, is going to be our primary source. And so it says here, the second labor Eurystheus commanded Hercules to perform was to kill the Lernaean Hydra, which had been raised in the swamp of Lerna and was making forays into the plains and wreaking havoc on both livestock and the land. So it wasn't just staying in the swamp, right? If it just stayed in the swamp, that probably wouldn't be too big of a deal. But it was coming out from the swamp. It was coming onto the land and it was killing the herds and probably attacking people. So it was not just a... It wasn't just a crazy creature, but it was a problem. It was a problem for the people of Greece, specifically those near Lerna. Um, the Hydra had an enormous body with nine heads, eight of whom were, were mortal and one in the middle was immortal. So that gives us our description of the Hydra. It's massive. It's huge, huge creature. It has nine heads, eight of which are mortal, but one, which is immortal, cannot be killed. Where did the Hydra come from, though? Before we get into what Hercules does, where did the Hydra come from? Because that's kind of an interesting little aside on its own. And the Hydra, it, right, because the, the Nemean lion is this massive creature that can't be killed. The Hydra's got this massive creature. It's a giant, like, dragon, almost, but with nine heads. Where did it come from? And what's interesting is that the Hydra... And the Nemean lion were brother and sister. The Hydra was the sister of the Nemean lion, meaning they both had the same parents, those parents being Typhon and Echidna. And Typhon and Echidna were labeled the father and mother of all monsters. So Typhon and Echidna, where did they come from? Well, they were primordial gods. So I don't know if we've gotten into this yet, but there's kind of different levels of the pantheon. So originally there was chaos, and then out of chaos came 
uh, Gaia and Tartarus and Uranus or Uranus. Um, Uranus was the god of the sky. Gaia was Mother Earth. And then Tartarus was the primordial deity of the underworld. So they're, they're those first primordial gods. Well, we can get into uh, the war in heaven between Kronos and Zeus, and then that's the, between the Titans and the, what we know as the gods of Olympus, which is a fascinating story in its own right. But in this, all I want to focus on here is Typhon and Echidna. Typhon um, and Echidna were the son and daughter of Gaia, Mother Earth, and Tartarus, the primordial deity of the underworld. Um, and, and if you read in Apollodorus, he talks about Typhon a, a little bit. And he says Typhon was the greatest of all of Gaia's, even greater than Zeus or Krona. Like she was the greatest of all of them. Or Typhon was the greatest of all of Gaia's children. Uh, he had like a hundred heads and a hundred arms. And it was like the only way you could kill him is like they had eventually had to like throw Mount Etna on him. That And even then it probably didn't kill him. Um, the the Titans were eventually locked up within Tartarus, um, the primordial deity of the underworld. So Typhon is just this huge, terrifying, like every possible nightmare monster that you could think of. That was Typhon and Echidna was in a similar vein. And so they had a bunch of offspring. Two of those offspring we're talking about one. We already talked about the Nemean lion and now we're talking about the Lernae and Hydra. So it's just kind of interesting to get it. Where did these come from? All right. But back to our story. I don't want to get too far into the mythology of the monsters themselves. All right. So the point is they had the Nemean lion. Probably couldn't be killed. Had an immortal head. Huge monster. Terrifying the plane or devastating the people. Um, so how did Hercules accomplish his task? So let's go back to Apollodorus and see what happens. So Hercules mounted a chariot driven by Aeolus. Aeolus is Hercules' nephew, um, Iphicles' son, um, and traveled to Lerna. He brought his horses to a halt and found the hydra on a hill by the springs of Amimone, where she had her lair. He shot flaming arrows at her and forced her to come out. As she did so, he seized her and put her in a hold, but she wrapped herself around one of his legs and held tight. Hercules got nowhere by smashing her heads with his club. For when one was smashed, two grew back. So there we go. An enormous, and then if that wasn't bad enough, an enormous crab came out to assist the hydra and pinched Heracles' foot. Because of this, after he killed the crab, he, Hercules, for his part, called for Aeolus to help. Aeolus set fire to a portion of the nearby forest with burning pieces of wood. And, sorry, and with the burning pieces of wood, he scorched the stumps of the heads, preventing them from coming back. Having over overcome the regenerating heads, in this way, Heracles then cut off the immortal one, buried it, and then placed a heavy rock over it by the road that leads through Lerna to Eliaus. As for the Hydra's body, he cut it open and then dipped his arrows in her bile. 
What an incredible story. There's so much here. So let's unpack this. First, everything about this scene is savage and brutal. And I bring that up because I think a lot of times when we hear about the Greek myths, we conflate them in a sense with medieval mythology or medieval stories like the Knights of the Round Table and Arthur and and Lancelot, you know, and Gawain and, and Galahad, right? And these noblemen in bright and shining armor going on these heroic quests and, um, you know, in engaging in beautiful swordplay, right? That, that, that's kind of the image we get, that chivalric type battle. But that's not what we see here, is it? We don't see that at all here. All right. Let's first, he goes to the swamp, right? So it's dark and it's kind of musty and rotting things are everywhere. And he goes to her lair. So she's hidden in some underground lair. He shoots flaming arrows at her to bring her out. And then as he does that, as she comes out, what does he do? He grabs her. Like he's not dancing with a shield and sword and ha ha, you know, like he grabs her right? And he puts her in a hold and then she wraps herself around him. And so they're like in this literally life and death struggle with one another. And what does he do? He doesn't have, I mean, he has a sword, but he's not using a sword. What is he? He's using his club and he's bashing its heads and just smash, smash, like, and he's beating them down into a bloody pulp, right? And then as each one is beaten down, and the head is smashed to bits, what happens? Two more sprout out of that ruinous neck. And, and keep attacking him. Okay. So, and if that's not enough, right? So everything you're seeing here is dark and like brutal and savage. And if that's not enough, what happens next? This giant crab out of nowhere just thumbs, starts attacking Hercules, tag teams him. So Hercules is fighting this lizard that's wrapped around his body and he's wrapped around it and he's trying to kill it and smash it. And then this giant monster crab comes out of nowhere and he starts attacking his foot. So Hercules has to like step on the crab, kill that. And he's still got a hydra to deal with. And every time he kills a head, two more pop up. So what does he do? Well, it says, after he kills the crab, he calls on his nephew, Aeolus, and he says, hey, buddy, can you can you help me out here? So Aeolus adds to the, the brutality of this scene. He sets the forest on fire. He takes burning logs. And then as Hercules smashes one head down, he burns the neck shut so that two more heads can't grow back. And he does that with all eight of the heads. But there's that one head left, that one immortal head. It doesn't matter what he does. He hits it. He tries to stab it, gouge it, choke it. Nothing works. So how does he kill it? He cuts the neck. So he cuts the head off, the immortal head, buries it, digs a hole in the ground, and then puts a big rock over it. And that's it. So, real quick, think about that for a second. If that head's immortal, theoretically, somewhere out in the Peloponnese, in the Swamp of Lerna, there's that Hydra head still alive, just waiting for its day to get uncovered. Um, because it doesn't say that the that last head died. Now, the body died, and all the other heads died. But that immortal head is still out there, snapping away at the dirt. Placed a rock over it and then put it by the road through between Lerna and Eliawa. So it almost became like a mile marker. Like, oh, scenic point. Hydra head. Um, 
As for the Hydra's body, he cuts it open and he dips his arrows in her bile. Um, so her, her bile, her stomach acid, super poisonous, super toxic. So he dips his arrows in that. And that comes into play later, not in the next story, but in a later labor that we're going to discuss that. Remember this because that comes back to us. All right. So we break it down. It's a savage scene. It's dark and wet. There's no knight in shining armor. It's just like this primal battle, right? It's it's savage. It's, it, it's primitive. Everything about it is just intense, right? There, there is no nobility. There is no saving a damsel in distress. It's just everything is real about it. Um, he gets help from his nephew, Aeolus, to kill the Hydra. And that comes back into play later. We'll see why. Um, there's this crab. He kills that. Like, it, there's just so much going on in these passages. Um, but what happens at the end? When he goes back to Eurystheus to say he completed his labor, here's what happens. All right. So I'm going to kind of wrap up. As for the Hydra's body, he cut it open and dipped his arrows in her bile. Eurystheus told Heracles he should not have to count his labor as one of the ten because Hydra, Heracles, Hercules, because Hercules had not overcome the Hydra by himself, but with the help of Aeolus. So Eurystheus says that one doesn't count. Because you got help from your nephew. How messed up is that? Right? Like, that doesn't count. You fought a nine-headed monster and a nine-headed monster that had a crab sidekick. And because you asked for your cousin or your nephew's help, it doesn't count. But Hercules couldn't do anything. He, he had no choice. He had to follow the commands that Eurystheus gave him. That was what the Oracle of Delphi said. You have to do this. So it kind of stunk because now instead of 10 labors, he's at 11. So now he's got to complete another labor if he gets to, to get to his 10. Um, eventually he gets to 12. There's another labor we'll talk about, but this is the first one that didn't count. Um, and so he has to go complete another task. So that's that's the Lernaean Hydra. Next now, I want to get into the Kernian deer or the Kernian hind. Okay. So the Kernian hind is his third task. Eurystheus commands him to bring back alive the Kernian hind. Okay, so this the first two tasks he had were the Nemean lion, Lernaean Hydra. He had to kill them, bring back proof of death. Now he has to bring them back alive, the, this, this deer alive. And before we get into this, what was the Kernian hind? Well, according to Callimachus, who's a poet in 3rd century BC, it was part of a mighty herd. It was larger than bulls and from their horns shone gold. So if a deer, you know, an average white teal deer is 100, 140 pounds, um, this was larger than a bull, which I think some bulls can get up to 2,000 pounds. So it was a massive deer. This is no normal deer, right? Just like the Nemean lion was no normal lion. This is no normal deer. Also, just for reference, hind is a female deer. So a stag would be a male 
and then a hind is a female. So this is a female deer, larger than a bull. Uh, Diodorus, a Greek historian, says it was a heart, another word for hind, um, but it did have horns. So it was a female deer that had golden horns. Um, it also excelled in swiftness on foot. Uh, Quintus Smyrnaeus in the fourth century said it had golden horns while it snorted breath of fire. So it's a fire-breathing golden horn, larger than a bull, female deer. That's what that's what Hercules has to go catch, and he can't kill it. He's got to bring it back alive. All right. Now there's something else about this deer that matters and adds a wrinkle to his the story that Hercules has in this case. This deer is sacred to Artemis. And if you don't know anything about her, she is the goddess of the hunt. Um, and uh, this particular deer is very sacred to her. Okay. And in this case, there's, there's two parts of the story. Um, the first one is these deer were actually given in a sense to Artemis for her to have pull her chariot. All right, so I'm going to read a story. This one's from Callimachus. Thence departing, and the hounds sped with you, that you did find by the base of the Parhasian hill deer gambling, a mighty herd. They always herded on the banks of the Anarius, larger than bulls, and from their horns shone gold. So this herd, this is the herd that the hind comes from. You were suddenly amazed and, and said to your own heart, this would be the first capture worthy of Artemis. Five were there in all, and four did you take by speed of foot, without the chase of dogs, to draw, draw thy swift car. But one escaped over the river Caledon, and by devising of Hera, that it might be after the days a labor for Hercules. So there was five deer in all. Four were captured by Artemis and pulled her chariot. One escaped. This one escaped. Also, Artemis is particular to deer and as opposed to other animals. She said, shoot at the evil wild beast that mortals may call thee their helper, even as they call me. Leave deer and hares to feed upon the hills. What harm could, could deer and hares do? It is boars with ravage the filth of men, and boars which ravage the plants, and oxen a great bane to men. Shoot at those. So she says, leave the deer. <clears throat> Leave the rabbits. Kill the boars. Kill the oxen. They're the problem animals. But don't kill the deer. So that's another reason why Hercules can't kill this deer. Because if he does, Artemis is going to be mad at him. And Artemis has a well-known temper. And she is not afraid to throw down with pretty much anybody. And there's a very good chance even Hercules in all his might wouldn't have a chance against Artemis. Um, so now let's get to the hunt. We know who the hind is. We know why it's special and we know what Hercules has to do. He has to bring it back alive to Eurystheus. So reading Apollodorus again. So now we're back to him. Hercules third labor was to bring back alive to Mycenae, the Kernian hind. It was at One, a golden haired deer sacred to Artemis. In his desire to neither kill nor to wound it, Hercules spent a whole year pursuing it. 
Finally, the animal tired of the chase and took refuge on the mountain known as Artemisium, and from there proceeded to cross the Ladon River. As it was crossing, Hercules got it with an arrow, hoisted it on his shoulders, pressed on urgently through Arcadia. Artemis, along with Apollo, accosted him on the way, reached for the hind, and berated him for trying to kill her sacred animal. But Hercules pleaded necessity and said that Eurystheus was to blame, and thus soothed the goddess's wrath, and he brought the animal still living to Mycenae. Diodorus, another historian, says, For some say he captured it with the use of nets, others say he tracked it down and mastered it while it was asleep, and some say he wore it out by running it down. One thing is a certain is that he accomplished this labor by his sagacity of mind, without use of force, and without running any perils. So, how does Hercules capture the steer? Basically, he wore it out. Um, if, if you read in Apollodorus, it says, he chased it for a year, and when it grew tired, he finally captured it as it was crossing a river. Apollodorus says he shot it with an arrow, but he didn't kill it. He possibly wounded it, but he did not kill it. Um, and then Sicilus or Sicilus said possibly he captured it with nets or he mastered it while it was asleep or he just wore it out. Um, there's this type of hunting that uh, certain tribes in Africa and in parts of Mexico actually still do to this day called um, persistent hunting, where basically they, they find a quarry, a gazelle, for example, and they just chase it. They just run after it until it falls over from exhaustion. And it's very possible that's what Hercules did in this situation, is he just chased it for a year, but he chased it until it was too exhausted to stand. And then once it fell over, he picked it up and carried it back. Um, but now he's got the deer. He's bringing it back. And Artemis is not happy with him. And so he confront, he's confronted by Artemis and Apollo, who is her brother. And she's like ready to like take the deer back and like kill Hercules. And Apollo is kind of there as a mediator. But Hercules begs. He says, look, I can't give you this deer back. I have to take it back to Eurystheus. It's what the Oracle of Delphi told me I have to do. I have to listen to him. So I'm sorry. I will make sure that the deer stays alive. I'll make sure it doesn't get killed. Okay? Um, and, and he has a plan on this. And there's a couple of accounts here. One, that once Artemis's anger is soothed, if, if Hercules did in fact shoot it with an arrow, she heals the deer's wound so that it's, it's fine. Um, and then he goes back on his way. But Artemis promises him, this is not Apollodorus, this is the other um, works that I've been reading from. Artemis makes him promise that he has to make sure that the deer can come back. It can, it can go back um, to where it came from, Kernia. Um, and Hercules says, uh, okay. So he devises a plan. He said to Eurystheus, because um, Eurystheus wanted to keep it. He wanted to have it frolic in his fields and, and be part of his, you know, his herd or his um, possessions. 
But Hercules devises a plan because he can't have Artemis upset with him. He has to follow what Eurystheus says and he has, you know, to make the Oracle satisfied. But he also can't have Artemis mad at him because if she's mad at him, now he's got two gods or goddesses that are upset with him. Hera and Artemis. Two people you do not want as your enemy. So here's his plan. He said to to Eurystheus, well, if you want the deer, you've got to come take its bridle by yourself. I'll hand it to you and you can take it, but I can't give it to you. So the king started walking to Heracles and the hind, but Hercules purposely left the hind loose a moment too early. And the deer escaped with its unnatural speed and went back to its goddess. So Hercules said that Eurystheus simply had not been fast enough, which how sweet is that? That Hercules, even though he has to do what Eurystheus says, he's found a way to frustrate Eurystheus. And especially after what he did, after Eurystheus pulled with the Lernaean Hydra, saying, well, that one doesn't count. So, you know, Hercules kind of gets a little bit of revenge here, saying, I gave you the deer. You just weren't quick enough to grab it. And uh, so technically, Hercules completed this task. It counts as one of his ten. And he still got to leave Eurystheus in the lurch, so to speak. The deer lived. Artemis is happy. Hercules is happy. Eurystheus, and by extension, Hera, are not happy. Um, and, and so that just kind of gives you, not all of these tasks are go kill this big monster. Okay. But that's quite a bit of them, but not all of them. And in this case, it's kind of a really compelling little different type of story, right? Uh, Hercules has to use his mind. He has to use his wits. He can't just crush it to death. He can't just bash its heads. He's got to be smart. You know, he can't kill it. He's got to think, you know, think ahead and, and, and be really um, tactical. And another thing is that's really interesting about this is he tracked it for a year, a year. The patience required to do that is unbelievable. I don't know if you guys have ever gone hunting. When I was much younger when, with my dad, I would go deer hunting and we would do drives and stuff. And obviously we had, a, you know, guns, um, but we would just have to sit there all day sometimes just waiting, waiting, waiting for a deer to walk by so we could take our shot. I could not imagine trying to track an animal for one whole year and then just carry it back and give it away. That That's and that's almost more impressive than him killing the Nemean lion or the Lernaean hydra is the persistence and patience he had to perform that feat for over a year. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, that's kind of where let's let's leave off with that. There is um, is with the Kernian hind. Uh, he had to track it down. Couldn't kill it. Was able to track it down. And then had to find a way to make sure that it got back to Artemis. It's just a a really great way um, to look into how Hercules has to accomplish his tasks. So that's all I got for tonight, guys. Uh, Thank you so much for for listening to me. I I can't wait to get into the next uh, labors of Hercules with you all. 
Um, we're going to be talking about centaurs, the Ermanthian boar, uh, talking about boars, right? Artemis didn't care for them. Um, and uh, there's a lot of good stuff that we're going to talk about in the next episode that has to deal with what we talked about in this episode. So it's starting to all tie together. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great night and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye.